Jeannie knows how I learned how to say harmony. Um, I don't really read notes. They fascinate me. I just don't know what they really mean. I don't inquire what the fun does. But I had three brothers, Charlie and Donnie and Tim. And Treva, our sister, would play the piano, and so we had a quartet. And so we would sing in the living room, and I was the youngest one, and if I got on one of the other notes, they would hit me. <laughs> and so I had to find a note that wasn't one there. Do you remember hitting me? No. Several times. <laughs> so that's a, a very spiritual way to learn how to sing harmony. Today we're going to get back to our study of the Ten Commandments. Today, number eight. You find it in Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. And before you turn there, it's going to be on the screen. And you know it anyway. You shall not steal. Thou shalt not steal. In my lifetime, things have changed so much. Growing up here and moving away. But growing up here from 59 to 078 or so. I remember once upon a time in Satan Spring, you could leave your house unlocked. Remember those days? If the locks were broken, it did not matter. You didn't need them. You could leave your keys in your car. Remember those days? You could leave them running. It didn't matter. And it would be fine. The court car didn't have alarms. The milkman, and I think it was probably Mathis Dairy, would leave milk and dairy products on your porch. Oh, the hell that was good, wasn't it? And nobody would take it. It would be safe in the can on the porch. That was a long time ago. Just by a show of hands, how many of you have been stolen from in your lifetime? You have been stolen. What well, stand up if you I want you to be able to see this is an interesting number. If you've been stolen from your lifetime, look around. Look around at this room. It is a large percentage. Thank you. You may sit. That's interesting. That that many of us who live in a pretty safe area and have good lives have had that happen to us. Mine occurred, the, the one that I recall the most, we were remodeling a house in Mississippi down south of Union Road in Akron, Mississippi. And someone broke in and stole some of my tools. That was our experience with being stolen from. In the United States, uh, identity theft is large. Uh, millions and millions of Anybody been a victim of identity theft? Goodness, several of you have had that. Uh, shoplifting exceeds $4 billion a year. B with a billion with a B. One estimate says that of every 50 customers a day, one carries away at least one unpaid item. So one out of 50 is shoplifting wherever you go, they say. And it could be higher. A London taxi driver came up with a unique way to get rid of his garbage. He had strange hours and wouldn't always remember to put the can out. And so he would wrap his garbage in a nice package 
and leave it in the back of his package. It inevitably, by lunch every day, someone had taken the package out of his package. There was a business in New York that would get rid of your pet largely the same way. Put it in a piece of luggage, leave it on the subway, and for $25 instead of the $50 the city charged for $25, they would just get rid of that. Because they knew that people would steal. It's not a new problem. There are a great number of biblical stories that we can look at today. When Kay saw the bulletin cover and saw the topic about Thomas Steele, the one, and I, I, I didn't think about this one as I think of a story to choose with Ananias and Sapphira. She wondered, are you going to use that one? That would have been a perfect story for Thou Shalt Not Steal. When you think of other biblical stories for Thou Shalt Not Steal, what else do you think of? Old Testament, New Testament, doesn't matter. A story about stealing in Scripture. What do you think of? Ma'am? Thinking about Nathan. That's, that's a serious one. The birthright. The brother stealing his birthright. That might be one of the first instances that I can think of in Scripture and just as a, a stealing. Anybody else? Another instance of stealing in Scripture. I've had a New Testament one day, and, and this one really bothers me. And you'll see why when we look at it. It really jumped out at me. Before we look at the scripture, uh, John chapter 11, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. You remember that? We all remember Lazarus and his sisters. And Jesus raised him from the dead. This caused quite a stir, as you can imagine. Some were coming to Jesus and their faith was growing and they were touched by the miracle but others were threatened and wanted to kill him. Imagine that. So plans were put in place. The wheels began to turn to stop Jesus. We read that in John chapter 11, beginning verse 53. So from that day on, they planned to put him to death. Jesus therefore no longer walked about openly among the Jews, but went from there to town on Ephraim in the region near the wilderness. And he remained there with his disciples. Now the Passover of the Jews was near, and many went up from the country of, to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They were looking for Jesus and were asking one another as they stood in the temple, What do you think? Surely he'll not come to the festival, will he? Because they knew that word without to kill him. Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that anyone who knew where Jesus was should let them know so they might arrest him. That's what's going on. Obviously the disciples would have known about this situation. And that's what makes this next story so very, very tragic. It begins in John chapter 12, verse 1. Six days before the Passover, we're getting real close to the crucifixion and resurrection now. Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. I always thought that was interesting. 
Jesus, knowing that he's facing death, maybe just needed to see that there is victory over the grave. Who else would he want to see but Lazarus? So he goes to Lazarus to see him. And there they gave a dinner for him. That's what Mary and Martha did. Martha, mostly. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with Jesus. Mary, and you remember this, took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard and anointed Jesus' feet and wiped them with her hair. And the whole house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. So why Mary do this? Well, she knew Jesus was God. He raised her brother from the dead out of the tomb. A way to thank him and show her love. Maybe she knew and had heard the news Jesus was a marked man now. No longer, he wouldn't be with them much longer. It's likely she was aware that she wanted to do this before his burial, his crucifixion. Whatever the reason, it's obvious that Martha is a giver. The opposite of thou shalt not steal. We're going to talk about that shortly. But beginning in verse 4 of John 12, this person no doubt knew that Jesus was going to be killed soon. And we get sadly some insight of the heart of a thief. So Martha's come, or Mary has come, poured out the perfume. Such a beautiful gift. But Judas didn't like it, verse 4. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, the one who was about to betray him said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? Can you imagine? Out loud, according to John, that's what came from his mouth. Why was this type of waste? Why did she do that? We could have given that money to the poor. As John recalls the story and writes the words under God's inspiration, John says in verse 6, he said it's not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse, and he used to steal all the food. That's an interesting contrast. Martha the worker, Mary the giver, and Judas the thief are all in these six verses. The worker, the giver, and the thief. Thieves care for themselves. The rights and property and feelings of others don't matter. And John tries to let us know about that in verse 6. He said this not because he cared for the poor. He didn't. He only cared about himself. But because he was a thief and he kept the comfort and used to steal what was there. He watched and saw all the miracles that Jesus did and heard all the teachings, but he had the heart of a thief. Never let his heart be changed. If you're asking the question, and I guess it leads to it, then can a thief change? 
Can a cat change his spots? Can, can his heart be changed? Remember this story from Luke 19. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he'd become very rich. And he'd become very rich by stealing, by taking more than he should. He was a thief. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd, so he ran ahead, found a sycamore fig tree beside the road where Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked at Zacchaeus and called him by name Zacchaeus. Quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. We're answering the question, can a thief's heart be changed? Jesus knew Zacchaeus' heart was ready to change. And so, obviously the answer is left. Yes, look at what happened. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down to Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He had gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. That's a different sermon. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I'll give half my wealth to the poor Lord. If I've cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times <coughs> Way beyond what the law requires. Jesus said, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. The Son of Man came to change hearts, and he really did this day. And this thief indeed was changed. Thank God his word teaches us that we can change. So in Luke, we see, yeah, you can change. In John, we saw three types of people. We saw a worker, we saw a giver, we saw a thief. All this leads us to a verse of Ephesians that puts it all together for me. Chapter 4, verse 28. After your heart changes, look at what it says. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands so as to have something to share with Jesus. You see the three types of Ephesians 4, 28. You see the worker, you see the giver, and you see the thief. Thieves can change their hearts. They can become workers and givers. That's the power of God. In Sao Paulo, Brazil, the police were perplexed after a thief returned money and an apology letter. In the letter, he explained why he had committed the crime. He'd been out of work. But he also gave the homeowners tips about how they could secure their home and how he got in and what they ought to do to keep things out. It was about $196 U.S. The couple would save the money to pay their household bill. And I quote from the handwritten letter. I beg your pardon. I did it in the time of despair because I've been unemployed a while. I stole it, but I'm returning the money because I know the gospel and God's law. And he also said, put a padlock on your window above your bedroom. Story after story like that exists. Google it because you'll find some interesting things about God changing thieves and money being returned, restitution being made with interest. You've seen those on the news. I think about one in my life, one of the people that I know as, as so loving and kind and generous and, and, and so very giving to me and my 
ministry was a theme once upon a time. And how God changed their life. It's amazing. So God does change us. And we, as we've looked at the Ten Commandments over the past many weeks, we try to turn it to the positive. Instead of thou shalt not steal, could we turn this one to say this? Thou shalt give. Thou shalt give. Givers change the world. Maybe the first verse you ever learned as a child was John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. The greatest giver we've ever known is God. Eleanor in her prayer thanks God for how much he gives. And that we ought to be thankful for his giving. We're all different in this room. And we all can give different things. What can you give? It was interesting in the past month I learned John Orgeron is a Dr. Pepper distributor. Is that, what, is that right? Close? And I have a friend in Texas whose name is Pepper, Bill. He's a pastor in Texas. And he has a PhD. Follow me with this. He goes by the name Dr. Pepper. So I was telling John about my friend Dr. Pepper. And John sent Pepper a shirt. This says Dr. Pepper. And I'm sure in Texas he's wearing it proudly. It's a little story and it wasn't a big deal, but it is. Giving changes the world. What can you give? Relax, I'm not about to turn this into time. <laughs> Maybe it's an encouraging word or a kind note you could give. Maybe it's time to help a neighbor. Maybe it's a gift to the needy. Maybe you could repay a kindness that was given you long ago. I would encourage your homework. Figure out something you can do for someone. Just surprise them and give that shout. As a Christian, it's likely that you decided long ago that the Eighth Commandment, thou shalt not steal, is something not to worry about. You don't intentionally steal it, I agree. Maybe sometimes we were tested. We were in a restaurant. I think it was last Sunday. All of our family, we went to eat from Taylor and Stephanie and Jackson and Ellen together. There were six on our bill, and I got the bill, and they all had gone outside, and they gave me a bill for another table, a table for two. It was a lot less than my bill on the bin. I waited for the waitress and explained the situation, and she brought me and corrected the error and charged me what she should have. And she was so thankful that I did that. She was kind of surprised. That's nothing special I did. That's what God wants us to do. That's nothing special. I cannot steal. Tithing is not a problem. I've done that all my life. So what do I do with the Eighth Commandment? I love the ways to give. So surprise someone. Find something and give it away that you don't use. Be intentional in your giving. We've mentioned Samaritan's Purse. We began in announcements. It's right around the corner. Shoebox is available next week. Don't wait for them. Don't wait. Start today and give all your life.